0: Richard Reed Perry is a composer, multi-instrumentalist, and singer who is currently based in Montreal, Quebec. A member of Arcade Fire and Bell Orchestre, Perry has been working on other projects for years, including a series of solo records released under the banner Quiet River of Dust. Volume 1 of that series was released on the Autumn Equinox of 2018, while the most recent, Volume 2, That Side of the River, Arrived on the summer solstice of 2019 via Secret City Records in Canada and around the world via Anti Records. Richard and I had a talk recently about the themes and motifs on Quiet River of Dust. The folk music his mother and late father immersed him in as a young man, his interest in the natural world and his philosophical outlook on life, his collaborative friendship with Dallas Good of the Sadies, and the significance of the Dawson City Music Festival and Hillside Festival on that relationship, future plans for Bell Orchest and Arcade Fire, and much more. With the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph. And Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 485th episode of Creative Control featuring the very talented Richard Reed Perry with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Richard. How are you? Hey,
1: I'm good. How's it going, Rich? It's
0: not bad. It's not bad. First of all, where in the world are you? I hear birds chirping, so it sounds nice. Where are you?
1: Uh, Montreal, home, on my back porch.
0: Oh, nice. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure if you were on tour or what. You've been busy lately. No,
1: been busy, yeah, but busy in a non-touring kind of way, which <laughs> suits, suits me real well.
0: <laughs> well, it's nice to chat with you. I, I don't remember the last time we spoke. It's been a while.
1: It has been a while, yeah. yeah maybe yeah. maybe at a Hillside Festival a couple of years back. That
0: might be it. Yeah, you're returning to the Hillside Festival in Guelph, and uh, that's cool. I want to uh, commend you on your new record, Quiet, uh, thank you. Quiet River of Dust, Volume 2. Did I say that correctly?
1: I think so, yeah. Okay. That's
0: right. <laughs> I want to begin by just asking you about this imagery in the title, A Quiet River of Dust. It just strikes me that that's poetic, it's evocative. Where did that
1: come from? It actually came from. It was just the name of a temporary working title that I gave to one of the songs that eventually became the album, and it just kind of stuck as a as a name for the whole the whole project. Yeah, it just kind of felt like it. Uh, it talked about all the all all the things that the songs were talking about, kind of nature and solitude, but then also like um, kind of tradition. And uh, you know, river as this metaphor tradition, and then river of dust as this kind of uh, analogy for um, you know just the eternal cycles of nature and people kind of sp- springing up and then dissolving back into the earth and mm. springing them back up out of the earth and dissolving back into the earth in this kind of endless endless cycle of nature recycling itself and reforming itself in a, in a million different ways eternally. Yeah. Um, and then also the kind of, there's a bit of like a, of like a sort of farewell, uh, farewell ceremony, kind of an a image, like an image that related to kind of throwing ashes into the sea or something, um, hmm. or into, into a river and, uh, you know, watching those, Watching those go out into the sea and then be absorbed up into the clouds and raining back down onto the land and back out to sea—this kind of that kind of image—it um, all it all felt like uh, very very intrinsically connected to me with that title.
0: Yeah, a lot of cyclical stuff in what you're describing there. I couldn't help but think of uh, sort of climate change issues within that title as well. As sure, yeah, that's we're, in there as well. Yeah, as we're speaking, yeah. I just read a report that the sixth largest city in India ran out of water and so i these things are happening they're happening rapidly and so when i when i think of that title river of dust i mean that might be the kinds of rivers we're in for sure and yeah that's that's in
1: there as well you Mm -hmm. know human human fragility and and the the fragility of the natural world and and also the trans you know just the transformation of everything into everything you know be that be that from a a calm functioning world into a disastrous one that functions less well or just a new version of the old one or whatever that might be it all feels like it's all, it's all very connected to me. Are
0: you commenting on that perspective whoa what is that what was that water was that water on cue just just, there was water on cue (laughs) the water heard us talking about it and was like no i'm here everything's fine just relax (laughs) (laughs) no sorry are you are you I, i understand that it's intrinsically a part of these songs and maybe what inspired you but are you commenting on that per se within this material on on the fleeting nature of of life and and also ecologically um our ecological existence are you commenting on that
1: uh i mean it's it really is all one and the same to me um i think you can't you can't sing about um you know you can't sing about being out in the in the natural world or out in the ocean and feeling the particles of your body dissolving into the world around you without it having an obvious direct relationship to to all of those things you know um, but I'm not like I'm not trying to make a topical climate change album but mm. nor nor can one avoid thinking about climate change when one is you know thinking about the natural environment or just even experiencing the natural environment it's all it's all the same it's all the same world and being being super overtly connected to that speaks to feeling that connection and feeling any changes that are happening and feeling that you know the massive Destruction and the infinite calm that all exists, you know, yeah. simul- simultaneously and cyclically, um, and how, you know, how within and without of our control all of that is as well.
0: Well, you've touched upon it in various ways already, but I wonder if it might be useful for those listening to hear from you about the, the real inspiration behind these motifs and this record. Um, there is a lot of Nature imagery, by the way, and I—I I, I heard you trying to clarify that I did not intend to make a climate change record, and I didn't mean to take us too far down that river of dust, if you will. But th- that stuff is in the songs. I'm here. I'm, I'm. You know, there's oceans and shorelines, and the natural yes. world really comes through. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the inspiration behind this volume and and this. The, the, I, this is the second volume. There's something going on in terms of connecting your works here so do you mind maybe articulating that
1: um yeah i mean the whole thing uh really aims to to envelop the listener as it enveloped me while i was in it and making it and, and i'm still in it and still making it in fact it's a uh, volume three is well underway already oh um recorded some of it already and written loads of it and it'll i think i think it's probably ultimately a four-part cycle um but we'll see i haven't i'm in the middle of volume three so that's officially happening (laughs)
0: good good for you you say four-part cycle and i don't mean to interrupt here but that corresponds with the seasons does it not It,
1: it does yeah yeah um but a uh, yeah, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. <laughs> sorry, not, sorry to interject. I just it occurred no, to fine. me.
0: Yeah, I know there's a seasonal connection between uh, these first two releases. So when you said sure. four, I, I gathered that's where you were heading.
1: Yeah, that's that's where it seems to be heading. But I didn't want to bite off more than I could chew. I thought <laughs> I'd just deal with two two first and then see what happened. And three is definitely. It's already started to form itself, so it seems very likely it's all going to happen.
0: You don't want to end up in a Sufjan Stevens 50 States album situation is what you're saying. I don't, no, no, but that's, that was a
1: really big bite to chew on that he, he said himself.
0: Yeah. He got to two. (laughs) Yeah, but really good albums though, so that's Fantastic albums, no, no disparagement on my old friend (laughs) Sean, but I do think that was just interesting that he's like, I'm going to make 50, and like, no, and you're, you seem to have the same, like, can I make four of these? (laughs) I mean, I think, I think he
1: could have done it if he had, if he had less attention to quality control. Yes. But, but, uh. (laughs) but he does have a very big beautiful attention to quality control so
0: there's an interesting relationship between ambition and your muse like you have an in, idea indeed, and then indeed. actually execute these grand ideas is a bit harder yeah. than you think yeah
1: no I, I think in theory he would he would love to do that and love to have the time to do that and
0: of course yeah,
1: and that would be a great thing.
0: Well, but maybe maybe he'll follow your lead and pick something a bit more manageable. Four is a bit <laughs> more manageable.
1: <laughs> we'll see. Talk to me when I'm trying to mix Volume Three.
0: Well, you're three quarters of the way done. It sounds like almost. almost no, there. Uh, no, I'm like maybe a quarter of the way in. Maybe. Okay, yeah. okay. I didn't mean to interrupt. Can we let's let's get back to uh, the inspiration behind this, this series, if you will. What what inspired it?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, all of the above that we've already been talking about, like a really direct sort of immersive connection with nature, I guess, a, a, a connection that feels, that feels thorough and uh, overwhelming at times, perhaps, or just deeply intrinsically connected at other times. But then also the kind of growing up um, and processing the... The community that I grew up in. I grew up in this real folk music community in Toronto. It's kind of a lot of expat British Isles singers and folk musicians. And so I just grew up completely immersed in this folk music environment and was sort of dragged around to all the festivals when I was little that my dad would be playing at and kind of falling asleep on the floor of the folk club every week. And um, so just really grew up utterly immersed in that. And at a certain point Uh, when when my father died and when I left home had this real kind of um, I don't know awakening I guess transformation of the of the world in which I lived which sort of stopped you know transformed from being this kind of village cultural village of sorts that I've grown up in um, and just became the world that it is I guess and so this real sense of of having left behind this kind of floating world of of childhood and this particular musical bubble in which I in which I was raised, I'm um, I, I, I,
0: I, I'm sad to hear of your your loss. Uh, first of all, um, do, would we know who your father was by name?
1: Yeah, I mean, he was, so my, his name was David Perry, and he was uh, in a kind of quietly legendary Canadian folk group called the Friends of Fiddler's Green. That um, played all over Canada, all over the folk circuit for, for ages, really, all of my childhood. Um,
0: right, and based on the lyric on this new album, did you lose them when you were seventeen?
1: I did, yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: So uh, that is, uh, again, I can't fathom that. Um, and I, yeah. I happens
1: happens at one point or another, it and that's, does. that's when it happened. <laughs> it, so, it it does, and this yeah. changed
0: you. Can you go into that? Can you and these records kind of reflect that that change, that new world that that you entered into with this loss? Um, can you yeah. des- can you describe that?
1: I mean, I I think the the records try and just like give give space to that and create a, like a kind of a world for those feelings and that experience to live in, but w- without trying to like actually like the the album isn't like trying to put that into words or something it's more like it's more just you know you're asking me about the 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 inspiration and the kind of creative jumping off point uh and i'm really like a i'm really a, a leap before you look kind of musician composer yeah uh and so really like the songs the songs just wrote themselves over time and i wasn't trying to make an album and i wasn't trying to talk about an experience specifically in a conscious like thought out kind of way you know um it's more like you i i find i make music it's like that is what i do i find myself making music if i sit down and there's an instrument around and there's some quiet and no one's trying to distract me like i'll there's a really good chance i'll make some music and that's how this whole both these records were made this whole um yeah this whole kind of art piece started to evolve and at a certain point, you start to the songs just kind of define themselves and start to be about certain things. And but for me, it's a very, it's a very just sing it first and think about what it means later kind of process. Hmm. Um, and so it was more like I, f- I found myself having I found myself already very far along on albums that seemed to be about this certain world that was a hard to explain and hard to articulate thing, which I think is why it slowly turns into music you know
0: yeah Uh, i I hear you carefully avoiding any pigeonholing of themes and concepts on the record because it sounds to me that like you say they kind of came to you and maybe you're still processing what they mean
1: yeah and it's just like it feels wide open to me it feels like (laughs) like i know these these kind of places within myself and within my mind and my heart that are the feelings that the music draws on and, and, but it's hard to know exactly where those come from, but you see, you just kind of feel all these points of connection within your own life, but then also within your day-to-day experience of being out in the world. It's like the experience for that song. I was in the world was the world in me. That's the final song on volume one. Like that's literally about being out in nature, you know, being like floating in, floating in water or walking in a forest and being utterly overcome by the you know just the kind of physical beauty or the energetic beauty or just the kind of blissful nature of being out in such an environment but then also within that moment feeling the potential for the, well, you know feeling the inevitable one one day my actual body is going to actually dissolve and become the environment that i'm having a blissful experience in right now you know Mm -hmm. and just the weird existential deep terror and then also the deep kind of zen okayness of yep that is correct like you're having a blissful moment being in a lake and one day your body is actually going to dissolve and become particles that are maybe going to end up in this lake you know and the the great (laughs) cosmic oneness of all of that and how just how staggering and utterly normal that is all at the same time. And it's like, that's as much of an inspiration for these records. And it's all as as anything else, you know, as anything from my own life, you know, more like these huge, just these huge cyclical, natural cycles, you know, the earth opening up and swallowing us whole kind of.
0: It's not every, yeah, not everyone has these sort of philosophical perspectives, reasonable perspectives on how life works. I mean, you're you're someone who's traveled the world. I'm guessing you're getting close to pushing forty by now, right? Yeah, I'm yeah.
1: forty uh, forty-one. Forty oh, yeah. or forty-one. Same age.
0: So you and I are the same age, and I've had the same uh, reflective time in my life where you know I have kids coming up, parents getting older. Um, so I realize I'm in the middle. of so I, I'm contemplating mortality more. Um, but it sounds to me. And I'm I may be reaching here. You've had to confront these kinds of ideas since you were, since probably when you lost your father, if not earlier. Is that fair to say?
1: Sure, yeah. But I mean, I think it's like those things are all there, waiting for us to confront. You know, and we all confront them, and it's just it's just a matter of time and time and space when that happens. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, Yeah. No, it's it's fair. That's fair. I I, just I don't think a lot of us dwell on it or think about it too much sure. because it's not fun <laughs> to think <laughs> Or about. it is or it is or it maybe it does it, that's true doesn't it you could either i think i've had that i've either <laughs> i've clung to the concept of like i need to live this life uh but you also end up at some point letting go and realizing uh, this is going to happen to everyone like you said
1: yep yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're all, all in the same soup. <laughs> exactly. Speaking
0: yeah. of which, you uh, you kind of alluded to the fact that you you grew up in Toronto, and you were immersed in music because of your father. And I want to go down that path a little bit, but you've also talked about nature and my mom as well. It was, it
1: was my, my dad who passed, but my, but both my parents were were big, you know, um, deeply deeply immersed in the folk music and the folk scene and. Okay, and both both of them played and sang music and performed and used to perform together and sing together and sang a lot as a family and it was really just really all around me on all sides.
0: Right. Okay. So yeah. I want there's two things I want to get to. One is, and I'll do them separately. One is your immersion in nature as a person growing up in Toronto and what where that came from. Whether you your family went on camping trips or explored the wilderness. But but I yeah. want to before we get to that uh, the music stuff. Uh, when did it occur to you? Do you remember in your upbringing when it occurred to you that music might be something you could make? I assume if your parents are uh, are always making it and working on music that you realize that that's an entry point that you could explore. But, was, but at the same time, you know, some of us grew up rejecting <laughs> our parents' interests. You seem right. to have immersed yourself in it. Can you talk yeah. about that? How did that happen?
1: I don't. I don't know how that happened per se because it wasn't a conscious decision at any point. I can all say in all honesty, I was never like I am going to be a musician. I'm going to be a professional musician. I'm going to, you know, do all these different musical things that I do. I'm going to play in bands. I'm going to compose. I'm going to, you know, do solo records and all whatever. All of these things that I do mm-hmm. weren't a plan that was like. I think I could do that and then start methodically moving towards that and being happy when something went right and being sad if something didn't go right. Like it really all just seems to happen for me. It just kind of rolls out. I just find myself in music, gravitating towards music, seeing music, listening to music, absorbing music, wanting to write music. That sounds like X or Y that, that part of it becomes conscious. Ooh, I want to try and work this kind of a uh, idea into something um but most of it and the becoming a musician and becoming a professional musician and having you know a band that did was insanely successful all of that was like really just sort of happened and not like randomly because it was all stuff i was it was just like the only focus of my life i've ever really had was wanting to be immersed in music and i find myself being immersed in music so in a certain way that was conscious and premeditated in a certain way. It just feels like I didn't know how to do anything else.
0: (laughs) Sure. But do you, but do you remember how you started? Like was it was it seeing your parents? Was it hearing another artist?
1: We just grew up singing. Like I grew up with no television. We grew up like, like we would sing together. Like my dad knew like hundreds and hundreds of songs to be able to, you know, from all over the, all over the British isles. And he'd sing them from memory and we would just hear that growing up. And then, His band would play, and we'd all hear those songs, and we'd play all those songs. Those were mostly traditional folk songs, also mostly British Isles stuff. Um, And then after the show was done, everyone would stay and sing, and like sing at the pub or sing on on a New Year's Eve or on a birthday party or whatever. Like, music was just around in, in a way that is hard for. I mean, it's hard for me to understand, let alone most people around me who didn't grow up <laughs> in that kind of an environment. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, music was just something that was happening I mean, and that you lived. And you know, I'd be at the grocery store with my dad, and he'd just like be, be burst into song, and I'd be kind of mortified when I was really little, and then I just got <laughs> used to it after a while. And
0: I do the and, same thing. My daughter's like, "No, Papa, stop."
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it, um, it
0: just it's coursing through me, and it comes out when it shouldn't. It's almost involuntary.
1: Yeah, well, that's kind of what music is. It's a it's a force and you only have so much control over it. Yeah. But but yeah, that was just kind of that was just kind of the reality and so you just find yourself then kind of writing little songs in your head or gravitating towards making music or I started playing piano when I was little and then took, you know, various little stints of lessons. I was never like a studious musician. Um In terms of playing, I was never like someone who sat there and and practiced the same thing over and over again. In fact, quite the opposite. It was really hard to get me to sit and practice, but I just loved exploring music in all sorts of different ways, and I would have piano lessons and end up not really sight-reading and and inventing parts where I heard them and things like this. Um, So So
0: it was piano that got you playing?
1: Yeah, piano is what got me playing, yeah, for okay. sure. Okay,
0: yeah. cool. Okay, so that that helps. Thank you for that. I, I want to <laughs> talk about... <laughs> by the way, this is not an interrogation. I'm just making... No, it's fine. I'm kind of making small talk, and uh, but I also, I don't know this. You know, you and I have known each other since 2002, and I don't think we've ever had uh, this kind of background conversation. Yeah, um, that's Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. so uh, that explains that. Now, the nature stuff. This record, <laughs> these records are really immersed in the outside the outdoor world it feels to me um Mm -hmm. where does that interest come from did you did like i said like i was trying to frame it earlier did you do a lot of camping hiking were you that kind of family
1: yeah we went i went to summer camp uh i went to summer camp like every summer as long as i could remember like from kind of age zero to to 16 or 17 probably um and uh and then we would also yeah I, I think we just our family just kind of gravitated towards um towards countryside and outdoors and there were, we didn't we never had a c- cottage or anything like that and we actually weirdly really weren't big campers but we would go to summer camps um my okay. mom would always come with us and um it was yeah it was just kind of a family thing and i don't i don't know where it comes from you just you just plant the seed for that kind of thing and it just kind of takes its own course you know
0: okay um, so it's not like you were a botanist or something, you know, you, no. <laughs> you're, no. you're, you're as immersed in the outside world as any of us on some level.
1: Maybe, maybe more on some level, but hard, hard to know exactly. People have a wide range of experiences with these things. Uh,
0: can you start a fire? If you were, if you were I camping, I can start a fire. You can I'm start... good at starting fires. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's the, that's the key thing. I want to know if we go camping ever that, uh, that'll, that'll be taken care of. Cause yep, that'll be taken care of. <laughs> so Stay safe with me. <laughs> so there, I'll I'll try to be careful with this because, again, I don't want to pigeonhole anything here. And for those who haven't heard it, uh, this new record in particular, I will say that it seems to me that the production and the tones have an ambient or atmospheric quality, whatever those terms might mean to someone. Sure. Uh, But in the context of what you're singing about, uh, I couldn't help but feel like he's kind of trying to Capture the vibe of the external world, like you're trying to that's my feeling is that you're tapping into this this sort of white white noise maybe or just this feeling of being kind of immersed in something and I wonder yeah. if, if is that purposeful are you trying to kind of capture that vibe
1: yeah i mean i'm try it's i definitely gravitate towards like within the context of this music like I gravitate towards certain kinds of sounds that are i don't want to say softer exactly because I also like it to be not afraid to bust out and go wherever it wants to go at at any time, but, but definitely like it's on the softer end of sounds sometimes like compared to rock music, for example. Um, Mm. It's like, there's not a lot of snare drums. There's not a lot of like loud cymbals or um, it's like, I, I actually wanted to make music that could be listened to very, very loudly and would still feel soft, so that you could just like you could kind of blast it and immerse yourself in it, and it never feel harsh or like it would tire out your ears or it would be too loud or take your head off. You know, that's a tr- um,
0: that's a kind of a trend right now. Are you following? or Are you immersed in this ASMR
1: stuff? I'm not. I mean, I I'm glad that it's happening. I'm I'm like aware that it's happening, and I'm doing my own my own experiments with it. Um, and I'm glad that that's happening because I feel like that's a useful place for music to go and for sound to go and for people's attention spans to go. I feel like it's a very net, net positive thing. The AFMR trend, if you will, Hush tones,
0: whispering. I feel yeah, like, yeah, I love it. I, I kind of wish this was, I don't mean the actual whispering and hushed tones necessarily, but I'm, I'm hoping it leads to a trend where sound is mixed lower because uh, yeah. there's be been great. a loudness war that's been going on since the invention of the earbud and the MP3, where I don't, I don't know sure. what's going on, but everything's louder than it needs to be. And I, again, it's hard not to sound like an old man, but I really think it's true. Um, uh-huh. and so I wonder if, if that's going to lead to that, if this, if this trend is going to lead to that. Um,
1: yeah, I mean definitely staking out more of a foothold in popular culture for there to be, uh, Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
0: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash acast and use code
1: ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A big place for quiet music that's not just background kind of dentist's office um ambient, you know, and Like I was a big, I was like, grew up in the nineties, um, as a teenager. And so like, definitely I would like the kind of ambient chill out room, the the really good creative side of that kind of ambient chill out room culture definitely influenced this music a lot. Like that, the live orb 93, that record Mm. that the orb put out in the nineties, well 93, I guess, maybe they put it out in 94. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, that record is like as big of an influence on quiet river as anything i would say it's like where they were just like letting the sounds of the natural world in and letting there be some kind of gently chaotic natural sounds natural energies make their way into the music that was otherwise you know this kind of ambient ambient techno genre for lack of better terminology but they really let that let that open up and be a really creative interesting unique thing um Hmm. And that kind of spirit and like kind of inviting the chaos in definitely really appeals to me a lot, and I would say has has influenced mm-hmm. Quiet River a lot.
0: Okay, well, in terms of inviting elements into your world, by the way, what's going on? Are you camping right now? It's there's a lot of clattering and oh, what are you uh, what are you building? Are you building something? I'm actually
1: I'm in my garden. I'm actually moving um, planters around. Ah,
0: there you go. Okay, it yeah. so you're you're outside. You're just, you're just. This is a very literal interview. You're in the outside world, (laughs) immersed in soil and whatnot, and I... (laughs) Yeah, mint plants. Yeah. I was going to ask about um, inviting people into this world of yours. Uh, uh, Before we maybe get to listeners, uh, who have you collaborated with? I hear different voices uh, throughout uh, this record, beyond your Uh own, and I wonder Uh if you can talk about anyone that was a part of this uh, this project and, and even, I guess, as you bring it to uh, people in a live setting, who you're working with, is it possible for you to do that?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, on the album, there's lots of different musical guests, people that are, um, I mostly try and just work with dear friends and musical relations, musical comrades um, that I love. It's not like a... You know, it's not like a celebrity guest stars kind of vibe. Um, Sure, sure. But really stuff that's born out of like a natural musical collaborations. So on volume two, like my friend Dallas Good from the Sadies um, sings and plays on one of the songs that actually is a song we kind of wrote together. Um, What song is it? That's called In a Moment.
0: Right now, you I I ask because the last time you were in Guelph and we spoke probably at the Hillside Festival, you collaborated with Dallas on stage.
1: Yes, it was that song that we played at that time. There you that go. Song ended up on Volume Two of this record. So, okay, cool. And there now, you
0: go. what was that five five years ago? I don't know how long ago yeah, that was. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. probably six years probably ago. Four or five years. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. place. <laughs> so yeah. okay, Dallas, that's great. Yeah, So
1: we we had written that song at that time and now it is out on a record
0: how do you know um, dallas by the way
1: we met uh we met in dawson city uh, at the dawson city music festival and we got thrown onto stage together and had to you know in folk fashion folk festival fashion they do a very and,
0: unique workshop up there where it's a potluck you just sort of thrown yes, in with that's names what yeah, yeah. yeah
1: yeah So it was potluck it was me and dallas and uh evan no um jordy gordon and bobby boulat nice and um and we quickly scrounged up uh, an everly brothers song to to perform we'd sing um all i have to do is dream for the everly brothers but, but didn't really play it till we got on stage we kind of practiced a little vocal harmony and we're like okay that's what we're gonna do we're gonna kind of play it like kind of dub-spiritualized dub, dub spiritualized kind of vibe and see what happens since. And, and we, it was one of the best performing experiences of my entire life where, like, utterly unrehearsed, we just, like, pulled off this really magic moment that kind of shocked us as much as anybody around us, I think.
0: It's weird, right? It's, they give you, like, two hours or something to... Yeah, I did. I did. I did one of those. I did one in the formation, and I I was like, "Well, let's just do Empire State of Mind by Jay Z." And they were like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know all the words. Let's just do it." And and we did it, and it was fine. Amazing. (laughs) So, and I've seen some magical things. I saw. I've only been there once. It is amazing what how musicians converse in such a short amount of time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it really is.
0: Yeah. So you met Dallas there, and then. That led to writing an actual song. Dallas is a friend of mine and a wonderful collaborator. He's always very open yeah. to collaborating. Yeah, he's with people.
1: great. Yeah, yeah, we just really, really hit it off, and we're like both of us after performing that Everly Brothers song, and I think we just like our voices kind of worked together in a really nice way, and hmm. we were we both were just like quite taken aback in a way of like how something could have come together that quickly and felt so good and we were like let's do a thing let's make (laughs) I was like I was in a really actively obsessive period about the Everly Brothers at that moment so I was like let's make an Everly Brothers type thing like just two part harmonies the whole time and let's Mm. just do that and he was excited about that and we're we've been like it's the most slow musical project I've ever cultivated in my life we've been working on it since then very slowly like we get together for between like two and five days a year and slowly make progress on this thing. But both of us really love it. And we've got like two thirds of an album and we just we just need like another two weeks and we'd have a really cool album. And we've been working on it for just ages now. Nice. It seems, seems so absurd, but it's just the speed at which it happens and both of our lives are so... Both busy Busy. musicians, both very busy musicians, super busy musicians. Yeah, Yeah. so it just kind of we take it where we can get it, but we both really love it, and it's everything we've recorded is really, really special.
0: Okay, cool. And so, any anybody else you want to cite?
1: Oh yeah, sorry, I went down a (laughs) rabbit Um, (laughs) hole. Yeah, I mean, uh, this record. I'm just trying to think of Volume Two versus Volume One. Uh, My friend Amadeo from the band Blonde Redhead plays on a song with me. Oh, cool. Um, My friend Nico Muley, the composer, plays on a song. Um, yeah, and then um, one of my like longtime deepest collaborators, who's also one of me, who's also my life partner, uh, is Laurel Sprengelmeyer, who's known as Little Scream, and she's all over both of these records. Um, and then Aaron Dessner from the National mm-hmm. um, played played a heavy hand in these records. Also, he was really like a a, a collaborator and, a, and an instigator from day one on this record. He was he was really I don't know if I would have finished it him and bryce his brother both like i don't know if i would have made or finished these records without um without those guys they really like were super super encouraging of me to, to do these nice um, and to just kind of finish the songs that they knew existed and yeah just really um really really big big part of the team as it were
0: <laughs> okay cool so yeah. anybody else or is that are there samples on it by the way Samples? I thought I heard some voices that sounded a bit sampley, but perhaps they're just some of your guests. By
1: example, other people? You mean?
0: I thought so. Yeah.
1: Um, no, there. I mean, I recorded everything that's on the, the album. Okay. Um, there's there's like samples between songs, if you want to call it that. Like like I recorded. Well, so the the Friends of Fiddlers Green, my dad's old band, are also uh, on the album um on volume one more than on volume two but then if then three of them play the intro to volume two the first piece um but i recorded their them singing on one song and playing on one song and then transformed those recordings into another little fragmentary piece so you could call that sampling in a way but it's not really sampling it's just rearranging a recording you've already made
0: i see okay okay i appreciate that insight so will any of these people that you've just cited potentially be a part of Volume Three, or is that still uh, un- unclear
1: uh it just kind of assembles itself as it goes along i really i don't I rarely plan music uh, I just put one foot in front of the other and make what feels like it wants to be made at that time, and then i once it starts being made i adjust based on feels like wants to happen next and i really just I perpetually follow my nose. So. Uh, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now one of the interesting aspects of this work is a 360 degree projection video am i saying that? Is that right? Did i get that right?
1: Uh yeah.
0: Is that <laughs> I don't know. I just saw 360. I added degree. That's why i'm cautious. Is it is it like an immersive 360 degree projection?
1: Well, yeah, we're performing live in a 360 degree room like we um kind of the bulk of the live shows for right now are going to be happening inside of domes Um, and we've created this. Like the Sky uh, Dome?
0: Are you going to be at the Sky Dome?
1: No, more like a planetarium kind of vibe. Okay, okay. Toronto sadly closed their planetarium and it's still shuttered. Um, Oh, that's too bad. in Toronto we have this or I'm sorry, in Montreal we have this wonderful venue called the Satosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the Société des Arts Technologiques and they have this incredible dome that's, yeah, it's kind of eight projectors and 150 speakers and it sounds super amazing in there and looks totally amazing and so i've spent the last year and a half like basically creating a, a environment a, a surround immersive environment for the whole both volumes of that of the music to be experienced inside of so we play we set up and we play their live starting on Tuesday for two weeks during the jazz festival at Montreal. Um, now, and we I, did the same thing for volume one in November.
0: So as we're speaking, Tuesday, June 25th, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, okay. So you, you've really made this an immersive thing. So the song you yes. and sorry, we didn't get to this. Who's in your live band?
1: Uh, so it's, it's Laurel and Steph, who I didn't mention Steph, but he's obviously he's in the band. So he's a deep collaborator, Steph Schneider, who, um, originally I knew from Bell Orchestra mm-hmm. uh, and have played with for, for many, many, many years. Um, so, Steph Schneider and Laurel, um, Laurel Sprengelmeyer, who I mentioned, and then two of my high school bandmates, or post-high school, I guess, bandmates from Ottawa, Geordie um, Walker and Corwin Fox. Nice. Um, who, yeah, I played in a band called Big Fishy Little Fish with them uh, just after I graduated from high school in Ottawa.
0: Now, Corin's, um, Corin's based in British Columbia, right?
1: He is, yeah, and Jordy's based in the Yukon, so it's it's a bit of a schlep to get them down here, but it also felt like they both worked on the record and helped produce it with me, um, different parts of it, and they recorded and did lots of work, recorded and played and produced parts, and um, and it just seemed like that's what I wanted to do, especially because they're two of my best friends and favorite musicians in the whole world, I just really wanted to spend more time with them and collaborate them, with them more, which is what we've been wanting to do since high school and oh, nice. getting to work on the album together was such a joy that it just felt like okay this is has to be what happens i didn't really think twice about it
0: well i don't um, mean to uh highlight anyone in particular i know steph as well um uh, but i, I Cor and i met in bc and we made a record together like a single and he was very sweet and uh very talented uh, recording engineer as well
1: Ah, uh, yeah he's amazing yeah yeah remarkable creature
0: All right, so you're going to bring this band, you've got shows, you've got this, uh, uh, you'll do these projection video performances wherever you can, it sounds like, or is this a one-time thing in Montreal?
1: No, uh, I mean, we did it in November in Montreal, now we're doing it again. We're going to Hamburg to do it uh, at a planetarium in Hamburg at the end of the summer, Um, and it's getting booked kind of around the world in different places that have domes that can host it, because it takes a real specific kind of technical environment to be able to to be able to do it properly. Right. But when we can't do that, we just do we just play the music and don't worry about the visual world.
0: Does this mean that the audience will be sitting like you'll be in a circle and everyone will be sitting around you?
1: No. We're kind of on one side of the dome and everyone's lying back and Right, and, looking uh, up at the ceiling. Yeah, looking up I mean they can kind of look either up at uh, forward at us or up at the ceiling or at the walls, and then you kind of spend your time switching between all of those okay. things because each vantage point uh, has something special to offer.
0: Okay, cool. Well, we've covered, uh, it seems to me, we've covered your, your solo stuff rather well here in terms of what's coming up next. You're working on Volume 3. You have these shows. You mentioned Bell there. Is that still a uh, going concern in any way?
1: Uh, yeah, we just... We have a record for the first time. Like we kind of took an accidental hiatus for eight years or something. <laughs> um, just once again, not really planned, just kind of putting one foot in front of the other. Um, but we, yeah, a couple of years back, we got started getting together to re- record, just improvise and make music together like we always did and have made a record um, that's actually really exciting that we're not quite sure when it's going to come out because just juggling juggling life but um
0: oh cool it's totally done but it's done
1: yeah yeah it's done it's like in the can and it's one big piece of music that never stops it's really cool
0: it's a single track
1: it's one single track it's the same tempo for 45 minutes yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) okay utterly utterly unique thing
0: (laughs) okay that sounds very interesting that sounds very interesting and uh in terms of arcade fire what are you up to there
1: uh nothing we're on break for for a while we haven't we uh we're on tour for a long time, uh, right? Until last fall, and then haven't really been around each other much since then. Which okay. is totally fine.
0: <laughs> so, have I covered everything you're up to? Mostly, is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, Kest is playing at the end of this summer. We're going to be like debuting the new record before it's out um, with a couple of orchestras in uh, Germany and Copenhagen, or not Copenhagen, Denmark. Okay. Um, so that's quite exciting. So we're like learning how to play that as well while I'm doing all this stuff. Um, and what else? Yeah, I've always got a million things on the go. That record <laughs> with, record with Dallas really needs work. I'm kind of I'm doing a little some uh, a little bit of production work with the Sadies as they work on their next record. Oh, cool.
0: Um, so you you beyond the single song that we discussed that you wrote with Dallas and performed. A few years ago, in a moment, I believe it was. Um, yeah, you're actually working on a collaborative record together.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It's like it's like it's like two thirds recorded already. Oh okay, yeah, sorry. I just guess needs I missed a few more songs.
0: I see. I miss I guess you did sort of say that. I thought you were referring to content for um, your solo stuff, but you're actually making. You have a no, no. We're
1: making a duo record. Yeah.
0: Does the does the project have a name?
1: Not really. It has a has a working title, but. It's, I'm not gonna.
0: Okay, I feel like I knew of it at one point. That's the only. I don't mean to be nosy, but I thought I. We've
1: never per, we've never performed besides singing the one quiet river song and playing together at Dawson City. That's it. So, oh wow. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it takes
0: it takes a festival to bring you together. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so I, space theory. Holds everyone. True. Everyone needs to book you and the Sadies, and you'll you'll have magic uh, at your I festival. Guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, where can people go to learn more about? you and this record where would you like to send people in terms of you know internet stuff
1: you mean like to discover more about the album
0: well some of us have social media platforms some of us have uh, worldwide websites that kind of thing
1: right yes gotcha cool. yeah i mean there's a website for the music which is my name which is Um but i'm on instagram and twitter and the facebook and all of the things uh-huh. uh, you
0: say so rather sheepishly i hear
1: <laughs> oh, it's just a, it's just like a function of yeah, it being it a working artist like you do you have to do you like it though those
0: I, i've been having conversations with people who are like i'm done i don't want to do that anymore are you okay with it
1: uh i'm okay with it i wish I, I wish it didn't take so much time up and wasn't all so finicky it's like it's sort of fine in theory but in practice it kind of just ends up eating your time yeah Uh, And then it's literally nothing at the end of the day. (laughs) So that's it's I think it's something that inherently feels bad about the whole cyber world and virtual world that I'm not sure where we're going to go culturally with all that. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at some point in the process, perhaps at a very quiet level during the entire process of spending time online doing these things, I think anyone's psyche at some level recognizes that nothing is happening.
0: Right. And I I
1: think that's going to catch up with us culturally. And I hope it catches up soon, like within a generation, kind of. Because I think these things, when they're new, they're bright and shiny. And it's new and distracting. And people like to be distracted in new ways. And that is as humans have always been. But I think, I hope uh, at a certain point soon, the generation that grows up with their parents always being on Instagram is going to be like, you know what? Not how I want to live. <laughs> then we'll be, maybe go back to a little more real life or something.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I want the the internet to to crumble into dust on some level. Uh, aspects of it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, uh,
0: is there and sorry, the record's out on Secret City, right? Yeah. That's right. right. Okay. In the U.S. Right. Okay. Now, is there a single song from the album that I can play for people? And if so, do you mind choosing it?
1: Uh, why don't you play in a moment the, that's the single that we just released that's the one that I sing with my friend Dallas
0: and in terms of the lyricism or the writing of it how, how did that work did one of you bring more to it and then the other oh yeah
1: I mean I, I wrote it and then, and we kind of worked on it together as a possible duo song and then I decided it belonged in Quiet River World more than in our duo Okay, um, but yeah lyrically I, I wrote it and, but um, yeah but he helped develop it and you know collaboration is a fabulous thing
0: Right, of course. So it just
1: brings what they bring, and you don't really want to look at it in black-and-white terms, but, but it was definitely something I wrote lyrically from a very specific perspective, and that perspective seemed like it really uh, belonged in the world of this Volume 2 of Quiet River, so that's where it lives.
0: Do you want to say anything about the lyrical intent?
1: It's about keeping, keeping still, keeping deeply, deeply still whilst having all manner of chaotic motion happening within oneself okay um, and that kind of uses different forms of water to reflect different aspects of that so yeah kind of it's kind of someone singing to themselves trying to talk sense into themselves in a, in a way uh, about keeping still and chilling out I guess ultimately. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, that's well put, and I uh, appreciate that. This is In a Moment by Richard Reed Perry. Uh, Richie, it was really nice to catch up with you and talk to you, and I look forward to seeing you soon, and and best of luck with everything going forward.
1: Likewise. Thanks, Beach. Nice to talk to you.
0: Ah, very special thanks to my old pal, Richard Reed Perry, and thanks to you for also listening to Richard Reed Perry on this, the 485th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and also things I don't even know about, Spotify, YouTube, and Audio Boom. I know about those, but every time I look up the show, sometimes I look it up just to see where it is, where it's been, where it's going. There's all sorts of other things, but whatever you use, it should be there. If you, if you listen to podcasts, Creative Control should be there. If it's not, send me a li- uh, drop me a line. I'll, I'll try to get it on the thing that you use, but I'm pretty sure it's on most of the things. But if you can't find an episode you're looking for, if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at vishcreative, or follow me directly at vishkana. Listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at CFRU.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast financially. That's all there really is. So please, patreon.com slash Control to keep the show going. Speaking of keeping the show going in some ways, I'd like to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support of the show. Also, my old and dear friend Jim Guthrie lends me a song of his that I can use to end this show. And you can learn more about him at jimguthrie.org. And finally, uh, I started right from from the top thanking you, but I thank you one last time. For listening to this show and spreading the word about it and telling your friends about it and subscribing to it on YouTube or whatever your podcast platform is. That means a lot as well. So thank you very much. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now.